0: Freedom doesn't need more cheerleaders shouting partisan slogans. It needs thoughtful, principled disciples of liberty.
1: Deep down, we all know that freedom and liberty matter. This is where we discuss why they matter.
0: It's time to elevate the discussion. Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity.
1: This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Hey, welcome to the Loving Liberty program. I'm so glad you could join us today. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com joins me as well. Eric, how are you?
0: I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me back on again.
1: I I assume that the fact that you're alive and kicking means you had no dirt or potential dirt on the Clintons, unlike some other people we could point towards. (laughs) Sorry, is it too soon? Is it too soon to be trying to have some dark humor?
0: Uh, yeah, you just want to roll your heads in exasperation at the uh, as I like to put it, the the Lee Harvey Oswalding of this Epstein character. Everybody saw this coming, and yet somehow you thought it couldn't possibly happen. No, no, not really. And then it does happen, and you just can't you can't believe that something like this could happen it, it's either the most spectacular uh, in, uh, example of government incompetence ever or it's something far more sinister. You take your pick.
1: I think one of the best observations I saw was, OK, so if a billionaire on suicide watch, or at least who had been on suicide watch up until what the, a few hours you know before he apparently uh, mm, suicided, if, if somebody in, in mm-hmm. custody, in, in a state-of-the-art jail can't be protected, tell me again how giving up my firearms is going to make me safer.
0: It's a very good point. Yeah, you know, in these lockdown prisons, somehow the prisoners still managed to have weapons. Somehow they even managed to have cell phones. I heard a news report that uh, Epstein's former celly, uh, that he was with a week or so ago actually had a cell phone in his cell.
1: Wow. Well,.
0: So anything they want they can get, and yet we're supposed to believe that somehow by uh, turning you and I and other people who've never shot anybody into a criminal because we possess a gun and forcing us to give up our guns, that's going to prevent the genuinely murderous people out there who are determined to kill people from doing it.
1: You know, I don't spend a lot of time chasing conspiracy theories, and it's, it's not because I don't believe in them. Um, I think certainly there are people who conspire to do things that are, you know, in their interest, but not in everybody else's interest. But it's because there's so much right. stuff that's right out in the open. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, you've got. I don't like the term conspiracy theory because it's such a loaded term. Uh, I, I agree with you though that uh, that that power powerful people uh, get together and pursue their own interests, and they they do it in ways that are not open and uh, that the public is unaware of. So if that's a conspiracy theory, so-called, then so be it. Uh, and I just find it very. Very hard to swallow, very difficult to believe that this guy, uh, who was the linchpin of an investigation that potentially involved a lot of very, very powerful people uh in politics and in business, uh, could have been allowed uh to off himself. That that just it doesn't pass the smell test to me.
1: Now, I, I am going to throw one small thing out here. This is a nod to uh, uh, my my former co-host and colleague, Kate Daly. She had a, a guest on her show yesterday, uh, apparently former CIA employee, who suggested that there may be some plausibility to the idea that uh, Epstein was a CIA and possibly Mossad asset. And, yeah. and his job was to, to get heard that also. blackmail on, on uh, powerful people.
0: Yeah, that he was a honeypot guy. Um, and and the, uh, again, I'm not uh, really up to date on all the details but I've heard probably the same thing that you've heard, which is that this supposed investor, uh, nobody can seem to figure out what he invested in or who he invested for, nobody on Wall Street knows this guy or knows what he's up to, and yet he has all this money, where did he get all this money? And at the same time he's got this extravagant uh, uh, creep uh, palace out on an island somewhere in an airplane that ferries powerful people to this island uh, outside of the jurisdiction of the United States where they do God knows what horrible things. Uh, And maybe, you know, he's got cameras everywhere. And what he does is he attracts people like Bill Clinton, let's say, and other people like that to go there and uh, put them in a compromising position, film it, get the dirt and then blackmail them.
1: Are, Are you familiar with Eric Margolis? Have you heard that name? Yes, sure. Okay, Eric Margolis actually had written about this a few weeks ago when um, Epstein was first arrested, and and he made yeah, yeah, the he comp- got
0: invited to his place and was offered a massage. I did yes, read that.
1: Yes, which which I thought was fascinating. And Eric, in, to his credit, mm-hmm. you know when when the butler said, and, "And if you would like, we can arrange an intimate massage with a young woman," um, wisely refused it because he was like, "Whoa, that's a classic honey pot setup."
0: Well, wisely, And I mean, can you imagine if somebody asked, offered that to you? Would you accept that? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to do an interview as a journalist. But I, oh, sure, I'm ready to get a, an intimate massage.
1: Yeah. OK, so so <laughs> give, give me your opinion on this, Eric. Um, let's just say yeah. for the for the sake of argument that uh, some of the information that Epstein had still manages to make it to the public, that uh, some very powerful yeah. people are shown to have engaged in some really reprehensible behavior. Does, yep. it, does anything change, or do they continue to operate above Hi. the law?
0: Uh, I think they continue to operate above the law, unless we're dealing with somebody who is considered expendable at this point. Every once in a while, someone does get thrown to the wolves, but usually it's somebody whose usefulness is at an end. So I doubt that we will see anybody who is still a lever puller uh, brought out into the light and exposed. Uh, for the things that they 've done, these things just seem to have a way of being uh, brushed aside or brushed under the, the carpet don 't look at you know don 't look here, look over there, and on we go
1: i honestly i this is how cynical i' become. I really thought when this Epstein thing started to come to the surface, well, I guess we 'll be going to war with Iran then because we need a distraction, something to get our minds off mm-hmm. you know what what people in powerful positions may have been doing
0: oh, I agree with you I, without question, I think if they had anything on Trump. Uh, that might have come to the forefront. Luckily for Trump, uh, apparently uh, Epstein didn't have any video or audio of him doing anything.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you weighing in on this. I, 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 I feel like I'm giving legs to a story that, that almost leaves me feeling dirty after talking about it. But mm-hmm. at the same time. It's very interesting. And and I'll I'll probably still keep at least one eye on it. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some car stuff here. You were relating to me. um, And I just I want to touch on this. I just took a road trip this weekend. And and my my dear octogenarian mom was was very impressed and happy with my little uh, Volkswagen Tiguan. And I was like, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been, we've been pretty happy with it. They've been through some tough times, Volkswagen. And, and I noticed you had, you've written a, a review here about, uh, Volkswagen getting on board the electric vehicle thing. And you said the, the, which, which was it? A Golf? that you were driving
0: oh yeah it was an electric golf it was a, it was a golf a little five-door hatchback except without uh a conventional drive train. entirely electric uh and it'll only cost you ten thousand dollars more to go only 120 something miles uh before you have to stop for a minimum of 30 to 45 minutes to, to get going again
1: well that sounds like a good deal you I, you actually used the phrase yeah. that car that car kind of stole your mojo can i get you to expound on that
0: It did. Well, it did, because I'm a car guy, and and that means that I'm passionate about cars. I view them as more than just an appliance, as a a thing that you use to transport you from A to B. And I had this this electric golf for a week, and it it was just – there was just – nothing to do. You know, it doesn't make any noise. There's no sound that's appealing or unappealing. It, makes, it, it doesn't do anything. You get in it and you push on the, the accelerator pedal. It's not the gas pedal, obviously. And the thing rolls forward and then you push on the brake and it stops. And it's the most soporifically boring experience you can imagine. It's, it's, it's just you want to just get and saddle over into the passenger seat and go to sleep. Wow. You know, I mean, electric cars are fundamentally homogenous cars. Uh, They're all the same other than the color and the shape. An electric motor isn't an electric motor. Uh, What's the difference between uh, a AA battery and a AAA battery?
1: Yeah, they're both batteries. But that added expense, you, you point out, for, for people who want to, to drive one, well, okay, the, the novelty, I get that. Hey, look, it's an electric car, fast, torquey, you know, mm-hmm. often they're, they're, they're very, very quick. Mm-hmm. But the limited range to me would be the, the single biggest drawback that would make me go, ooh, I don't know about that.
0: Well, you know, people talk a lot about the range, and I agree that that is a a critical functional problem with electric cars. But I think the greater functional problem is the recharge time. Uh, And a good way to understand this is if you think about a a regular car, a non-electric car that gets terrible gas mileage, let's let's use an extreme example. Let's say it's a, a 707 horsepower Dodge Hellcat Challenger, and it gets nine miles per gallon. You might drink the tank dry in, say, 200 miles. But it's easy enough to fill it right back up and get back on the road. It's not going to take you more than five minutes uh, to put gas in the, in the Hellcat's tank. Uh, whereas with the electric car, at a bare, at, a, at the absolute minimum, you're going to be by the side of the road for 30 to 45 minutes. And that's if you could find one of these, and it's a hilarious term in my opinion, fast charger. That's how long <laughs> it takes to recharge at a fast charger. I mean, You're talking about five minutes or less versus 30 to 45 minutes, best case. And that's if nobody's ahead of you. If another electric car is waiting at that fast charger to charge, you get to wait for him. So your pit stop now becomes an hour, hour and a half, or two hours.
1: Well, I'm just thinking back to your example of the that uh, Hellcat, uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, it would drink the gas tank dry quick, but you'd look so good doing it. I could almost you'd live with so it. You'd
0: look so good, and you'd feel so good. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's, there's something to get you going there. There's, you know, there's sound... And uh, there's also individuality. One of the neat things about cars until now is that each one had its own specific personality, which was a function of things like its engine and its transmission. Some transmissions uh, behaved differently than others. Some transmissions shifted differently than others. And all of these things were things that appeal to different kinds of people, and, and so you could personalize and tailor your particular car. With electric cars, it's... It's analogous to drills. Think about a uh, a DeWalt versus a Makita drill.
1: Hang hang on. Hang on, Eric. We were coming up on the break here. Hold that thought. We're going to come back in just a moment. Eric Peters is my guest. This is Loving Liberty. Welcome back to Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com is my guest. Eric, we were talking about electric cars as we went to break, and you were, you were saying that there's a homogeneity that, uh, that borders on the yeah. banal. Uh, you were using, I think, the, the example of electric drills.
0: Yeah. You know, I think about what, if you had to elaborate the difference, uh, is there between a DeWalt drill and a Makita drill?
1: Yeah, I, just, I mean, branding. Yeah, dead air, right? It's, it's branding, as I mean, far granted, as I know.
0: you know. I mean, one one may have a bit more torque than the other. Uh, one may have a more powerful battery. I don't know, stuff like that. But there really fundamentally isn't that much difference, is there?
1: No. They pretty much do the same thing. And that's
0: the issue with these... And, and that's the thing with these electric cars. They're fundamentally homogenous. And uh, if you follow the logic... Uh, why have all of these different makes and models and brands of cars, when they're all fundamentally the same thing? What's the point of that? Wow. Well, you know, and especially specialty vehicles. If you think about uh, marquee brands like BMW, which touted, you know, it's it's the driver's car, the driving machine. Well, when it's the same thing as a Chevrolet, it's just a lot more expensive than a Chevrolet, and they both have the same, essentially, electric drivetrain, what person in their right mind is going to spend... Uh, twice what it costs to buy a Chevy, to buy the uh, the BMW, just to say that, oh, look, I've got a BMW.
1: Now, I remember South Park a few years ago making fun of Prius drivers about, you know, I'm just glad I'm yeah. part of the solution, not part of the problem. Thanks. You know, uh, <laughs> the, the virtue signaling <laughs> yeah. aspect of, look, I drive yeah. an electric car. I'm saving the, the planet. Um, obviously, there, there are some good things about it. How, in your opinion, how many people do it, though, just for the sake of uh, it's novel or look at me, I'm, I'm doing something that's green? Do you think there's a component of that?
0: Of course there is. Well, there's also a component of elitism, uh, which is a function of the expense of these vehicles. Uh, they are all thirty thousand dollars and up, so that puts them in a whole different orbit. It puts them in the orbit of affluent people who are able to drive something that the hoi polloi generally are not able to to drive, and it's it's not really that different from the snobbery of somebody who drives around in a Porsche. Uh, it's just a different form of it. Uh, look at me, I'm in an electric car. You aren't. <laughs> I'm saving the planet. That's you know there's a there's a, there's a big element of that in this. I think.
1: I guess I'll just go be poor somewhere else then
0: right and and that's you know that brings in up the other side of it that's truly obnoxious I, I have no problem with somebody who is affluent and wants to go out and buy a Porsche hey that's great he's you know he's treating himself for all of his hard work and the money that he's earned but a lot of these radical electric people aren't content with driving electric cars themselves they want to force everybody else to drive one regardless of the cost and since most people simply haven't got the means to buy an electric car what they're proposing ultimately amounts to well you're not going to be able to drive if you can't you can't afford this you can't afford to drive that's the that's the proposition that's being presented to people
1: well, and we're seeing this in some other areas. You and I were talking off the air about um, the, the proposal that gun owners be forced to carry, you know, certain amounts of insurance yeah. to, to where it, you, yeah. you can economically leverage people out of their rights, you know, without having to do sure. a direct infringement.
0: Absolutely, uh, and you know it, it's ineluctable. It is if you if you if you accept the logic uh, that uh, that the government can use force to compel people to buy health insurance, as an example, on the uh, the argument that well they might impose costs on society, therefore they have to pay in. They have an obligation to buy this insurance. Uh, the logic of that applies just as readily to guns. Uh, well, somebody might go off on a shooting rampage. Therefore, they have to indemnify themselves against uh, the might, what they might do, even though they haven't actually done anything. But it's particularly vicious with guns because guns are relatively affordable, unless you're, uh, you know, a hardcore enthusiast and collector, and you buy the really high-end stuff. Most, you know, most revolvers and pistols cost about three or four hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Can you imagine what the cost of insuring a gun is going to be?
1: Oh, I can see it going higher and higher. I think you're the guy who I I first heard use the phrase the insurance mafia.
0: Sure, because what is a mafia fundamentally? A mafia uses uh, thugs. Uh, The classic example is Luca Brasi, remember him in The Mm. Original Godfather, who goes to Johnny Fontaine's manager, and as the Don says, he made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Well, you can't refuse insurance, can you? You can't say, no, you know, I'm I'm not really happy with the coverage you guys are charging too much you know go ahead and cancel my policy that you can't do that because if you do they'll they'll report you to the government and the government will sick it's luca brazi on you
1: wow that's that's a great analogy uh, well we, we've got about uh, five minutes here in the time we have left yeah. i want to talk a little bit about tesla you have an article here about uh, yeah. range reduction and this blew my mind tell yeah. us tell us what that's all about
0: Well, uh, you know, Tesla owners, of course, are tied uh, via a power cord to an electrical outlet, but they've just discovered that they're also tied to Tesla, the company, uh, to deal with the spate of fires that have been occurring with Teslas during recharging. Tesla sent out uh, what they style an update over the air. In other words, you know, these cars uh, were jimmied with uh, overnight, uh... and the range of the batteries was reduced in order to reduce the risk of fire so these people's vehicles are in a in a very real way under the control of tesla even though they're the nominal owner of the car and there's a lot of implications here If tesla can alter the range of their of your vehicle it will they could also reduce your range to nothing if they wanted to. Let's, let's you know, carry it along the lines of what's going on in China with these social credit shaming schemes. What if you post a tweet that Elon Musk doesn't like? And he decides, well, no driving for you today. And he sends out an update that, that bricks your car. That's something that is absolutely feasible from a technical point of view. And increasingly, it seems it's possible from a political point of view.
1: That is wild. Wild. Is there any precedent uh, like this? I mean, like, for instance, I'm thinking of, uh, what was it, OnStar? Uh, Does does that even uh, begin to approach the idea of what just happened with the Teslas?
0: Well, to a degree, but not to this degree. Uh, uh, yeah, OnStar could monitor you, and it could do things like unlock the, the doors. And I suppose probably some of the later models theoretically could also—they uh, could have their engine shut down remotely through a signal. So yeah, this stuff has been around for a while, but it's much more explicit with Tesla, and there's also a stick that goes along with it you know you say well i don't want my car to be under the control of tesla so i'm going to disconnect the antenna and disconnect from the tesla hive mind if you do that uh tesla will then say well your vehicle is no longer supported by us just like your phone and it is rendered essentially uh non-functional you can't get the uh the necessary updates to keep the thing running and if something goes wrong with the car they won't support it because you've disconnected from their hive mind
1: yikes i you know yeah. i th- I think I have to give you credit Eric you're the guy who has really cemented in my mind the connection between autonomy and our automobiles
0: well you know for for a hundred years uh uh Autonomous internal combustion cars have given us mobility and freedom. And that is why there has been an ongoing war that's that's been underway now for at least 30 years, if not longer, to replace the autonomous internal combustion car with the automated electric car, uh, which is the means by which they're going to dramatically reduce uh, not just uh, our mobility, but they're going to control us. To get back to this Tesla thing, you know, you're afraid of being deplatformed now or demonetized uh, in terms of uh, things like you and I do in our writing and our broadcast. Well, what if they just decide to pull the plug on your ability to get around by shutting down your car, which they'll be able to do?
1: Yeah, that would that would put a definite cramp in my lifestyle. Yeah. All right, we're down to about a minute here, Eric. Let's take a moment here. I want I want to introduce people to your website. Where's the best place people can go to find you and your writing?
0: Sure. It's uh, epautos.com, and you can also go to the ericpetersautos.com. The the two things mirror each other, so either one will get you there.
1: And I know you have some fantastic sponsors, so here's an opportunity to uh, to give them a little bit of love.
0: Well, one thing that I always advise anybody who asks me about driving is to get a good radar detector, <laughs> wherever you live, and I strongly recommend the Valentine One, and, and uh, Mike Valentine, the... Uh, The founder of the company has been a supporter of the site for a long time. But regardless of that, I've been using his detectors uh, for many years, uh, long before he became an advertiser. And uh, it's the one that I use in my car to avoid those pieces of pain in paper that we all (laughs) don't love to get.
1: Very good. Well, Eric, great as always to catch up with you. I look forward to our our conversation next week.
0: Sounds great, Brian. Thanks as always.
1: Again, that's Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We have a lot more to talk about. This is Loving Liberty.
0: Thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.
1: Hey, once again, welcome back to Loving Liberty. Couple of things, couple quick housekeeping items. Number one, I just want to uh, thank ammo.com. For joining us as one of the sponsors here on our network. And I don't know about you, but uh, this is. Uh, ammo's a good thing. And I'm not talking about because you got to stock up because the zombie apocalypse is going to start any moment. Um, ammo, I learned many years ago, is the key to turning money into skill. In other words, you uh, you get ammo, you train with ammo, you become skilled, and that is where you get the comfort of peace at arms. Or, I'm sorry, the comfort of skill at arms. You know how to do what you do with firearms. So I'm encouraging you, go to Ammo.com, check them out. They've got great, great selections of everything from rimfire to shotgun to handgun to rifle ammo. And you can get a nice little discount. They'll send you an email code. Save you a little bit of money on your final purchase. And when you're checking out, there will be a drop-down menu that uh, will give you a choice of, are there any freedom-supporting groups that you would like to show a little love to? Loving Liberty being among them. And if you uh, select us, they'll donate 1% of your purchase to Loving Liberty. Pretty cool stuff. Ammo.com. By the way, some great articles there as well, if you're uh, looking for a little intellectual stocking up. All right, second item of business. I've been fighting through a couple of computer issues, actually, for about the last couple of weeks. You've heard me gripe about uh, Microsoft and their updates. Um, I'm h- happy to report I think everything is cool now. Let me knock on wood as I say that, because <laughs> sure as I say that, you know, the computer's going to go, oh, by the way, <laughs> I'm gone. But uh, every, everything is back functioning as it should. The phone is working. If you want to try it out, here's your opportunity. 801-331-8113. Ah, I know. I should be grace under pressure. I should, I should be absolutely unflappable in the face of a little minor technical thing here and there. Sometimes, though, it just drives me nuts. Because a techie, I'm not. I'm more one of those guys who has something to say, and by gosh, I'd like to say it. So I I saw this uh, story come across my news feed yesterday, and and it just caught my interest. Um, I spent the weekend in Twin Falls, Idaho, visiting family, and uh, I saw the story come out in the newspaper there about how uh, the Canyon Ridge High School baseball team was trying to do a fundraiser for their team now graduating high school in Twin Falls, I will tell you that, uh, you know, baseball is one of the big pastimes. They take it very, very seriously, not just at the high school level, even the College of Southern Idaho's team, the Golden Eagles, their baseball team is is very serious about what they do. Well, they decided they were going to raise money. And one of the things they wanted to do was raffle off an AR-15 with proceeds going to the baseball team. Not a bad idea. Anybody who knows anything about AR-15s understands they are not a ruthless killing machine that will sneak out of your house at night, murder school children, and then sneak in before first light in the morning. They're, they're a very useful, they're a very modular kind of gun, meaning you can customize it, you can add accessories or take accessories away, you can make it as complicated or as simple. It's a very user-friendly firearm, they're reliable. And you can, and here's the great thing. You can customize it yourself. You don't have to send it into a gunsmith if you want to add things to it. It's, there's no question. It's one of the most popular firearms. And, and this is important. It's never been easier to own one. I mean, I think back to uh, 25 years ago, the assault weapons ban, you know, that uh, came under Bill Clinton. You could buy an AR-15 but for an AR-15 in what was called pre-ban configuration, meaning it had a pistol grip, it had a flash hider, maybe a bayonet lug, cosmetic features. They did nothing to uh, to enhance the lethality of the weapon. But um, you could you could pick one up. Uh, I think a Colt H-bar was running about twelve hundred bucks. Pretty serious money for twenty-five years ago. That was that was a chunk of change. Nowadays. You can build an AR. You can buy the components and you can build one. I think uh, if, if you wanted to do it right, you're talking between three, 350 dollars, less than we were paying for, you know a lowly A.K back in the day. So my point here is that it's a, it's a desirable rifle. It has many uses. hunting being one of them, um, sports, uh, you know, just, just target shooting being another. It's excellent for home defense. Because it's very user-friendly, very ergonomic. And I know people, well, what do you think you need a gun like that for? You're going to war? Look, if you have multiple armed adversaries trying to force their way into your home, that's the kind of weapon you want. Something that will repel them and give you parity of force against the threat that you're facing. But here's what happened. Word got out that this gun raffle fundraiser for the baseball team was going on. And somebody... Got their knickers in a twist, apparently they were uh, they 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 felt that it's just it's not appropriate. the school district is the one that stepped in and said well we we canceled the gun raffle because the coach didn't go through the proper channels or inform the school activities director of the fundraiser. okay, this is code for well, there's a way to make political hay here, and we're going we're going to seize that. And the uh, public direction, public relations director, Eva Craner from the Twin Falls School District said, we do ask that all coaches notify their activities director of all fundraising taking place. And unfortunately, that just didn't happen in this place. So we've asked that students return the money. Somebody didn't ask our permission. Now, she also confessed that timing was a factor in canceling the fundraiser following a pair of mass shootings that left 31 people dead. I don't see the connection here. It's like, yeah, if somebody somebody plows a car through a crowd of people, uh, does that mean it would be inappropriate for us to go buy a car or that brand of car at some point? And and the reason I bring this up is because I had the conversation with my son yesterday, my fourteen year old, and and we were talking about uh, uh, you know living in Idaho and particularly at the time where I was growing up in Idaho, the the thing that I really appreciated about Twin Falls was that. Every kid my age, and I moved there at age 12, had a twenty-two, had a shotgun. I bought my first shotgun at age 14. I bought my first twenty-two at age 15. And nobody thought anything of us riding through town with our shotgun across our handlebars or slung over our back or whatever. It didn't even raise so much as an eyebrow. And you could just easily bike out to a place where you could go and shoot and then come on home. Nobody thought a thing, but now we've got this, uh, I don't know, I, I, I want to call it virtue signaling, and maybe, maybe that's just being too condescending, but if these, these emotion-laden political busybodies just have to jump in, and well, you know, we're going we're to have to shut down this fundraiser, and it just isn't appropriate, and, and we, don't want, we don't want guns associated with our school, or guns and students never mix. I actually saw something like this play out in St. George, Utah, several years ago, and it was a very similar thing. I think it was a soccer team and they were giving people a chance to win a I think it was a shotgun. I can't be I can't be certain. Maybe it was a hunting rifle. I know it wasn't an AR15 because that would have really, you know, raised some eyebrows, but um here came the local uh political busybody, saw these kids doing their fundraiser, saw that oh, they're also, uh, you know, Uh, giving this chance. And I I think it may have been a raffle, which technically, I guess, is illegal in Utah. One of these days, they'll get around to calling, you know, insurance a little too much like gambling and probably outlaw that as well. But bottom line is right to the school district. Can you believe these guns and children do not belong together? And this poor, smug, busybody, You know, she tried to defend her actions, but it was just it was stirring crap where there was really no need to stir it. Let me tell you what the golden or the silver lining of this was, though. When people found out that somebody had just got their knickers in a twist and jumped into the middle of this fundraiser and was doing everything to to stop it because there were guns involved. It brought a lot of donors out of the woodwork. I guess in part because they're just sick of being dictated to by these people with a a sense of uh, moral superiority that (laughs) you can't do that because guns are icky and bad. And I believe the team ended up raising far more money than they would have otherwise. So uh, thank you, Miss Political Busybody. Forgetting your knickers in a twist and drawing attention to their cause. And I sincerely hope this is what happens in the case of uh, these, these youngsters in Twin Falls, Idaho. Now, there's a guy by the name of uh, Todd Eccles. He's the founder of the group Patriot Defense, who uh, says, tell you what, we will hold the raffle. And then we'll donate the proceeds. So there's your degree of separation. The kids aren't the ones doing it. We'll raffle off the firearm and then we'll donate everything to the kids. Good for him. What a great guy to step up and do it. And, and I hope that people who hear about this are likewise motivated to step up and, and support that cause. Look, I know it may sound counterintuitive, but um, kids need to be around guns. They need to be taught how to properly use them, how to safely use them. Something we had was we had respect for firearms. Firearms. And it wouldn't shock too many people if I told you that uh, there were every cowboy's pickup in our parking lot at high school had a rifle in the in the rear window in a rifle rack or a shotgun. We didn't have school shootings. Nobody thought about taking them and wiping out people. But that's because we were familiar with firearms. We had been taught to be responsible and we were trusted to be responsible. People rise to the expectations that you put on them. Maybe we should try that once in a while. Welcome back to Loving Liberty 801 331 8113. I promise you, the phones are working perfectly. I should have knocked on wood before I said that because fate will just say, oh, yeah? <laughs> Go ahead, try to take a call. <laughs> Some ghost in the system will be messing with me. No, I think it's, it's all working. So if you want to join the conversation again, 801-331-8113. The political busybody thing got me thinking about uh, a, a bumper sticker. And there was an article that was written about this about three years ago. I think it was published on the Imaginative, Imaginative Conservative. The bumper sticker said, you say a liberal elite. I say well-educated. And the article's called The Arrogant Ignorance of the Well-Educated. I don't know if you've ever had anybody pull rank on you like this. Well, you know, I have a master's degree from Harvard, and, you know, I, pull, I pulled a 4.0 while I was attending Harvard. How about you? Hmm? I thought not. It happens. I've seen a couple of discussions where people are throwing around GPAs uh, like they were gang signs, you know, <laughs> to, to show their superiority. This is an article from Joseph Pierce, published back in August of 2016. But listen to what he has to say here. He says, on more than one occasion, my essays have been inspired by bumper stickers. Many moons ago, for instance, I wrote the wisdom and wickedness of women in response to seeing a bumper sticker declaring that well-behaved women do not make history. Well, he says, recently while sitting in traffic, I saw this very same bumper sticker on the car in front of me beside another, which declared the following. What you call the liberal elite we call being well-educated. And he said the juxtaposition of these two stickers carefully selected by the car's owner to teach me a lesson set me thinking. I might even say that it taught me a valuable lesson, though not the lesson my neighbor in the car in front of me meant to teach me. He says, let's take that second bumper sticker first. Clearly designed to offend other motorists, it is supremely supercilious and extremely arrogant. We, the average Joe, whoever we are, are not as well-educated as the royal we driving the car in front of us. This pompous we, who presumably is a she, presumes that anyone who disagrees with her is poorly educated, whereas she, of course, is well-educated. If we were as well-educated as she, we would agree with her. Now, he says, to be fair to her, she's basing her presumption on data that shows those who are well-educated tend to vote for the Democrats, whereas those who are less educated, in quotation marks, tend to vote Republican. She votes Democrat because she is well-educated. We, who are presumed to be Republicans because we are presumed to be stupid, complain that those who are better educated than us and therefore better than us are part of an elite But he says the problem is that her education is not as good as she thinks it is. If she was educated in our secular system, she would have learned nothing whatsoever about theology, presuming that if there is a God, he or probably she agrees with us. If he or she does not agree with us, he or she can go to hell. And of course, we can tell God to go to hell because he or she is made in our image. We are not made in his, hers. And we can do what we like with him or her. In short, we can treat God with the same arrogance and superciliousness with which we treat our neighbor. What God calls sin, we call being well-educated. Wow. I'm sorry, but that just had a... That that perfectly describes the attitude of, of some of the folks we may see making headlines. Now, Joseph Pierce goes on to say, if she was educated in our secular system, she will know nothing of philosophy, or if she does, she will believe there is no philosophy worth taking seriously before Rene Descartes. She will know nothing of the philosophy of the Greeks, of Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, and still less of the great Christian philosophers such as Augustine or Aquinas. Insofar as she's even heard of these people, she will presume that they did not know what they were talking about. What the ancient philosophers call error, we call being well educated. If she was educated in our secular system, she will know nothing of history, or if she does, she'll know it only from her 21st century perspective, or from the 21st century perspective of those who taught it to her. History is not about learning from the people of the past their triumphs and their mistakes but it is about sitting in judgment on the stupidity of our ancestors who are presumed to be unenlightened or at least not as enlightened as she is or her teachers are what the people of the past believe to be immoral. We call being well-educated again. You see that in spades. If she was educated in our secular system, she will know nothing of great literature or if she does She will have misread it from the perspective of her own 21st century pride and prejudice or from the proud and prejudiced 21st century perspective of those who taught her. She would not think of trying to read the great authors of the the past through their own eyes, living in the past. Such authors, because living in the past, such authors lack the sense and sensibility which she has. What Jane Austen calls pride and prejudice, we call being well-educated. Joseph Pierce says, once we understand what being well-educated actually means in the deplorably illiterate age in which we find ourselves, we're not surprised to find these two bumper stickers side by side. One who is educated in this way will obviously believe that well-behaved women do not make history. What we, the uneducated, call bad behavior, the liberal elite, call being well-educated. So to be well-educated is to be ignorant of theology, philosophy, history, and the great books of civilization. It is to believe that we have nothing to learn from the great conversation that has animated human discourse for three millennia. It is to treat our neighbor in the car next to us with supercilious and scornful contempt, presuming that he is stupid because he is not as well educated as we. It is to treat the greatest minds and most brilliant writers in history with contempt because they are not as well educated as we. In short, to be well educated is not merely ignorance, it is the arrogance of ignorance. Snap. Wow. One of the things that I have noticed and something I greatly admire about the people who I consider to be well-read, well-rounded, I was going to use the term well-educated, but I don't want you to lump them into, you know, this elitist looking down their nose at people thing. There's a humility that comes with being a well-read and well-rounded person, a classically educated person. And the way that I see it most clearly is it shows through in the fact that they don't have to prove to people how smart they are. They don't have to prove that, well, as I look around this room, it's clear I am the smartest person in this room. And folks, we all know people who are, who are like that. I don't know if it's an insecurity or just, you know, the the need to reassure themselves, you know, I'm good enough, I'm good enough. But there are people who who are like that. Here's the other difference. One thing that that bumper sticker about uh, we, you know, call it being well-educated, presumes that, uh, you know, you're stuck where you are, dummy. Go be stupid and poor somewhere else. Whereas truly... Well-read, well-rounded people are typically the ones who are engaged in helping to lift the others around them. I'm going to resort to Plato's analogy of the of the cave. The people who, the prisoners who were chained in the cave just watching flickering images on the walls thinking that was reality. That's the sum total of reality. Some of them, escape their chains, make their way up to the sunlight, and after the painful and blinding light, eventually their eyes adjust and they realize there's a whole world here that these other prisoners have not yet seen. And they feel a duty to go back into the cave and do the best they can to persuade these other prisoners, come, take off your chains, come follow me. And as they do, they learn that some people don't want to. Some people don't want it. It hurts. It's bright. I don't want to look at the light. Others just are comfortable with where they are. There is no reality besides what's in front of us. The flickering images on the wall. I don't know that it's a perfect rule of thumb, but to me it's a pretty good rule of thumb if you're dealing with a person who really is well-educated, not just in an elitist, snotty, better-than-you sense but someone who really has depth and breadth in their understanding of the world. You're going to notice that they are the kind of people who are actively helping the others, other people around them. And I don't mean in some condescending, you're my project today because I feel sorry for you kind of way. But simply because they had people who helped them trudge their way upward out of that cave toward the light. And they feel a duty to repay that favor in any way that they can. So I hope that makes sense. I hope that isn't too, uh, you know, too out there. But if you're going to be a person who's well-educated, that's fantastic. All I'm suggesting is use your superpowers for good. (laughs) And not to uh, treat other people as if they were something you'd be scraping off your shoe if you were standing near the curb. Stay with us. We'll check news headlines coming up in a couple of minutes. This is Loving Liberty. Our second hour is on the way.
0: Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.